Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to get started in our message today. If you want to follow along, then you can do so if you brought your Bible. If not, we'll have it up on the screens for you. And we also put it in the YouVersion app. How many have the YouVersion app on their smartphone or their tablet? What you do is just open that up, go to the More tab, select Events, and then look for, right at the top it should be, because it's GPS location, you should see Face City Church, Michigan Campus. I encourage you to follow along today. I encourage you to follow along every service. I, I encourage you to add your own notes in. Because you know you remember more when you take notes. But not only that, do you know you can save those notes and you can refer to them like through eternity? Like you'll be in heaven going, oh, let me check out that message Pastor Andy preached. I'm just joking. It won't matter at that point, right? But it matters now. So I encourage you to follow along and then save those notes for further reference. Amen? I want to talk today about fathers. Now I know it's quite a stretch. You're like, wow, Pastor Andy, where'd you get the idea for this material? Well, it is Father's Day. But on a serious note, I want to talk about fatherhood today. First of all, I want to look at one thing. I want to look at father figures. You know, all of us here, at some point, we had to be fathered. We had a father. Now, you might say that father was really awesome. Like, I actually had a really good dad. I had a great dad. In fact, I had a perfect dad. He he never messed up, ever, never made a mistake. By the way, he's here today in the front row. But the truth is... Sure, you made mistakes. Sure, I make mistakes. But he was a great dad. He, he always disciplined and loved. In fact, it was funny because even my friends and, and from school and neighbors would come over and they would always say this verbally with, with, with their words. They would say, I wish your dad was my dad. You know, and I'd be like, yeah, I know. He's mine, though. <laughs> it's cool to have a thing. I hope my kids feel like that sometimes. But, you know. We're not perfect, are we? Now, some might be like, well, my father was okay. He was around. He worked hard. He provided for the family. He wasn't there much as far as relationship, but he cared, and and I saw that care through him providing and things. And then others of us could say, my father was horrible. Maybe there was verbal abuse, physical abuse. Uh, Maybe he was never there. Maybe you've never seen him. Maybe you never had that father figure in your life. Let me say this. No matter what type of father we had, every single father misses the mark. We fall short. It's just human nature. But see, on the other side, we have God. And what's happened is, I want to talk about father figures. I want to talk about God. But I want to talk about it from this idea of man-made religion. What we've done with God, I think, is we painted the wrong picture of who he really is. And because of that, we've taken our experiences with earthly fathers and what we've heard of the experiences we've had in a church, a Bible study with a friend, the pastor, whoever. We've combined them and we've got some really crazy ideas. Like one idea is this, that God's schizophrenic. Like, you're like, what? Like, like he loves me, but he hates me. Well, he loves me, but he hates me. He'll never leave me and never forsake me. Oh, he just left me and broke fellowship. Like, which one is it, right? Where is he? Where does he fall into this? And so if we don't understand the scripture, if we don't understand context, we get this idea that depending on how our actions are on any given day, he might just leave us and be done with us and I've had enough. I felt that in my life. I'm like, I know I'm not acting like I should act. And I've been doing this for a season now. I wonder where God is. But then I discovered something. He's right there with me. He never left me. He wouldn't forsake me. He wouldn't abandon me. So we have that idea that God might be schizophrenic. Another idea we have is that he's mysterious. I mean, nobody can figure him out. But 
to be honest with you, it's not that hard to figure them out. The scriptures show us who God really is. We just have to look through the lens of Jesus. It's so important. So I want to talk about that today because we have fathers who maybe weren't the best example of a good father. Maybe we've had you know, religious or spiritual abuse that has beaten us up through legalistic preaching. Some of us have experienced that. We don't make light of that at all. So whether it's an earthly father or the church or somebody who represented church or God, I think we can grow up with a really messed up idea of who God really is. And I think we need to get a proper perspective. In fact, proper fatherhood perspective for us comes from our Heavenly Father. If we can look to him, if we can understand him, how he functions, moves, how he's motivated, I believe it will help us. I want to turn to John chapter 14, because Jesus said something really, really important here. Even though a religious system may have given us a really messed up view or perspective of God, Jesus gives us a much different picture of who he is. In John 14, starting with verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, I am the doorway to God. But I love that he said no one can come to the Father. See, Jesus came to show a different picture of God. At this time, the Jews didn't understand God as a Father. So he came, and when he would say these words, I'm telling you, religious years ago, whoa, 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 blasphemy, heresy, what what are you talking about? Now, Jesus came as a teacher of the law, under the law, but every so often he would give glimpses of the future. What was to happen after his death, his burial, and resurrection? And it was absolutely beautiful. And he was trying to paint this beautiful picture. But here he is talking to his disciples. I mean, these guys who, I mean, they were good Jewish boys, but man, they just didn't get it. And they kept trying to understand and figure it out. These guys left their careers. They set everything down. They left family and home to go follow Jesus. There was something about Jesus But here he says this, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And this is so funny. The apostle Philip replies like this. He says, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Wait a minute. Didn't Jesus just tell them who the father was? This is his response. Jesus says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. I don't think Jesus was, was angry or upset. He's just trying to you know, rattle him a little bit. Philip, man, how long have I been with you? I just told you that that if you see me, you've seen the Father, that the Father's in me. And I love this. He says, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Do you know this is actually how we function now as believers after the cross? Do you realize that our life is Christ giving his life to us and then living his life through us? We're not in this alone. And Jesus was showing us the example. See, if we look at what Jesus says and does, we get a consistently clear picture of the unconditional love and grace of God. Think about what Jesus did. I'm not talking about a a bumper sticker like what would Jesus do when we try to imitate. See, we're followers of Christ. You understand me? We're followers of Christ. You try to imitate something. Have you ever went on a diet and so you got the imitation cookie? And you're like, yeah, this is really good. But inside you're like, this is an imitation. 
God's not looking for a bunch of imitations. Do you realize it's not trying to look exactly like Jesus? It's actually letting him live his life through you because he's with you all the time. Big difference. And people go, well, the Bible says be imitators of God. Yep. Well, the actual Greek translation is follower. It says to follow God. We're not little imitators. Because you know what? You, Al, you, Bruce, you, Dr. Carl, you, Dr. Kathy, you, Kristen, I can name all of you, you all are going to show Jesus in a different way than someone else because you have a different personality, you have, you have different traits about you, and God built you that way. But see, underlying all of it, we're going to see one thing, love and grace. As he lives his life through us, we're going to exude love and grace towards others, and it changes everything. Amen? You know, Jesus said this also in John chapter 5. He says, I'm telling you this straight. This is kind of my paraphrase. He's like, straight up, man, I'm telling you something here. Listen to this. I can do nothing on my own. And then he says, I only do what I see the Father do. What did Jesus do? He healed people. He spent time with people no matter their social status, no matter their bank account level. didn't matter to him. If somebody was, was needing healing in their body or, or their soul, he went to them. He spent time with them. He spent time with children. Even when the disciples said, whoa, 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 the master's busy. He's like, no, 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 don't distract the children. In fact, you all need to be like these little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, realize I'm completely helpless. I can't do life on my own. So what do we do? We say yes to Jesus. But what did Jesus exude? He exuded love, grace. He had time for every single person. Even when he was tired and hungry, he would skip the sleep. He would skip the food to spend time with people. Now think about that for a minute. If Jesus said, what I see the Father do is what I do, that's who the Father is. That just amazes me. Even this morning, I mean, I I studied these things, I I read these things, I I know these things. But when you say it out loud, you remind yourself of who God is. It's like, God, you just, you love me so much. You know, today it'd be easy to give you a three or four point, five point sermon or message on fatherhood and how you can try better and strive to do it. You know, sometimes we try through our own self-effort to be better and do more. Rather than focus on ourselves today as natural fathers, why don't we do this first? Let's focus on our Heavenly Father as our example and realize that he has put his very life into us and because of that, we can live life just like him. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity today to look into your word. I pray that as fathers today, we would feel celebrated. We would actually be excited that we're fathers. I pray also that we would look and focus on you this morning on your characteristics, on your heart for us as your children, for your heart for the world. And through that, Lord, I believe we can get a better understanding of who we are and how we are to function. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You know, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about the fact that I'm a father, Four times now, a grandfather four times. I'm sure that's going to continue. But, you know, it's amazing. I, I was thinking about the, the day of my children's birth. Now, let me say this right now. Some of you here, you might say, well, you know, I'm a stepdad. Uh, we have a blended family. Well, you know, we do too. Uh, when I married Kristen, I fell in love with her, and I also fell in love with two wonderful children, Jonathan and Bianca. 
And I love him with all my heart. And, and I purposed when I went in there that I wasn't going to be the stepdad. Now, that doesn't mean that, that, that I was trying to force myself in and say, you will call me dad, I will be your dad. I wanted to be their dad by example. And now they do call me dad. They refer to me as their dad. And to be honest with you, nothing against the man who was in the home before, but I forget about him and I just see all four of my kids as my kids. That's who they are to me. And so, you know, they were 10 and 12. And so I missed some of those formative years in that, but we've really, through time, developed great relationship together. And I love them so much. But the one thing that I really didn't get to experience with them that I did with my two younger sons is birth. Man, it was amazing. Like, I was in the room each time. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you've experienced this yet, but as a father, to actually see a human being come into this world is amazing. I mean, if you don't think there's a God at that moment, you, you must think, okay, there's got to be something greater. To know that a woman can carry a child for approximately nine months, sometimes ten, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Big ones, too. But then it be birthed, and it's just this beautiful child. You know, every single time, all two, I say every single, all two times, I just started crying. I mean, as soon as I saw that little face, I started crying. I I mean, the tears welled up so big that I could barely even see what was going on. I'm like, I don't know if I should hold him yet. I might drop him, you know? But it was amazing to me. It was so precious. And then to see him swallowed up. Swaddled, not swallowed. To see him swaddled up and in my arms and so tiny and delicate and beautiful. It's such a moment, isn't it? Why is it that that moment within months changes? These kids get their own will, their own opinion on stuff. And you're like, man, can we go back to when you couldn't talk? You couldn't walk. You just laid there and I could hold you and do whatever. See, so quickly we forget that moment, don't we? Because kids grow older. But we have all these different stages that they go through and it's beautiful. But I think sometimes we forget so quickly. And, and I think the reason is, I guess my point is, you know, I'm not a perfect father. Uh, I wish I could go back to the moment and always be like, wow, you're so wonderful. But sometimes, like, it takes everything. I kind of say, you know, um, we brought you into this world, but we'd really like to take you out of it right now. You ever felt that? And you're like, I feel guilty. Should I? I don't know. Do I have that right? You know, just the other day. It's always the young ones, it seems like. It's a little different as they become teenagers and adults, but Aiden, he's six, our youngest. It was a Thursday night, and we were kind of just talking through the plan of the next day, and they were out of school now for summer. Most of the kids are. And so he's kind of standing there in the kitchen as we're talking about what the day is, and she's going to work, I'm going to go to work. And he says, hey, he goes, uh, um, do I have a day off tomorrow? And I kind of chuckled, like, day off, what do you do, right? You go to kindergarten and put blocks together. No, it's more than that. I kind of chuckled. I said, uh, buddy, yeah, you got a day off. He's like, awesome. You know, it's my day off. I'm doing whatever I want to do. I went, whatever you want to do. I said, do you like have a car and money and stuff now? He's like, oh, no, no. He goes, uh, Maggie, she came over and watched him on Friday. He's like, uh, Maggie has a car. So if I need to go somewhere, she'll take me. I'm like, this guy is six. So we get home later that evening and we're getting ready. It's, it's getting later in the evening and we're, we're, I don't know if we'd eaten dinner or not. We were trying to figure out, he needs to get a shower. He's been outside playing. Well, anyway, we're talking in the kitchen again. We talk a lot in the kitchen, don't we? Our house is really huge. So he starts walking outside. I said, hey, hey, where are you going? He goes, I'm going outside to play. Well, no, you're not going outside to play. I said, we, we've got things to do. It's getting late. You've been out all day. And he's like, oh, seriously? And, and Kristen speaks up. 
You know, the one who wears the pants in the family. She's like, did you hear your father? You're coming in. We have to get ready. So come on in, bud. And he had this defiant look on his face. And he just looked at us and he went, um, today's my day off so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> now, at that moment, I didn't know if I wanted to laugh or bring the hammer of fatherly, genuine authority down on his butt. I kind of chuckled and I said, dude, get in the house. And when the voice changes, he's like, okay. (laughs) So he came in. You know, in that situation, I handled things pretty well. But you know, again, I'm not a perfect father. You know, I think discipline is extremely important in a child's life. But we have to get it right, don't we? Discipline is not punishment. It's training. It's not punishing them for their past. It's training them for their future. This is important. But I'll admit to you, I'll be completely open and honest. There's times that I've punished my children. And then by that, I'm not saying, because we'll go, well, I've never hit my kid. I've never, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the motivation and the spirit which with you do it. Because punishment is, you embarrassed me. You're on my last nerve. I'm stressing out. Your mom's acting crazy. I don't know what her deal is. Let's blame mom, right? It's Father's Day. You know, it's her deal. And so we find, we find these reasons, but sometimes we go into punishment mode like, I've just had enough, so go to your room, I'm taking this away, I'm swatting your butt, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. See, that's not training. That's me taking out my frustration on my child. And guess what? I've done that before. But let me say this, dads. These two words, I'm sorry, or three words, I am sorry, works every time. Now, I'm not saying we do things and just go, oops, sorry. I mean, when we mess up, we say, I'm sorry. Daddy didn't handle that well. I love you, though. I love you. No matter what you do, it never changes. I love you. See, when we're disciplining correctly, it's training them. It's saying, wow, they made a bad choice. I want to help them go from here to here because this is going to help them with their future. How many dads know that's not always easy? But I want to show us an example of God today. I want to show us that he is actually perfect. We aren't, but he is. And these are four characteristics of God as a father. I just want to go through these uh, today just, just briefly, but I want to look at these four things. And, and, I, and there's way more than four characteristics, but I wanted to pick these today to kind of give us an idea. Again, focus on him and then see ourselves working through him as he works in us. There's four things today. Number one, God is a giver. He's a giver. Number two, he's a rescuer. He's always there, always ready to rescue us. Number three, he values you. Now, this is a big deal to understand that God actually values you as a human being. You're like, but this is God. He, he's so big. Yeah, he values you so much that he came to live inside you. That's a big deal. And number four, God made you his own. You belong to him, not as a slave, but as a son and as a daughter. Let's look at these points today. Number one, our father is a giver. Say that with me. Our father is a giver. Let's turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. I think any picture that we have of God needs to be seen through Jesus Christ. You know, the writer of Hebrews said this, that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. If we see Jesus, if we see how he functions, how he talks, how he responds, how he treats people, guess what? That's the same as God. 
So to get a good understanding of God's character, we need to look at Jesus. And Jesus said this in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But listen what he came to do. He said, I have come that they, if you're they here, wave your hand. That's you. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love the message Bible. It says it like this. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. But I came so they can have real and eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? Real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. Do you see the heart of God? He wants you to have more and better life than you ever dreamed of. Doesn't mean everything's peachy and nothing ever goes wrong. Absolutely not. Things go wrong in life. Planet Earth sometimes is hurling things from four or five directions. I get it. But through it all, he'll never leave us. Through it all, he's the giver of good gifts. All of our questions regarding the true nature of God are answered in Jesus. I love this quote by pastor and author John Sheesby. He says this, Jesus' entire life was one long streaming video that displayed the goodness of the Father. Jesus came and he showed this, this long, continual streaming video of God's love, of God's grace, of his goodness towards man. And so when we see that, and then we see that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, doesn't that just blow your mind? That's how good he is. So what's the point on this? Well, if you've been given something good, if you've been blessed with a good gift, then give thanks to God. But on the other side, if, if you've been robbed, if you've been stolen from, don't blame God. I think it's easy to say, you know, there's this theology that says God's in control of everything. So everything that happens, I mean, Sister Susie got cancer, must have been God's will. Well, you haven't read the Bible because it's not his will. And he won't put cancer on people. He's a giver of good gifts. He's not behind your loss. In fact, let's look at two apostles and what they said. The apostle James said in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, I love the fact that he says shifting shadows because shadows move, right? When the sun's out, depending on the time of the day, we see shadows of of, uh, telephone poles and trees and different things. But how many notice they shift and they move? He's making a really valid point here. He's like, God doesn't move. In fact, he ain't shifty. He's not like a shifting shadow. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unchanging. And then the apostle Paul said in Romans eleven twenty nine, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled, never rescinded. You know what's powerful about that? I love the wording here. It says that his gifts and call are under full warranty. How many have ever got a warranty on something? I remember... Uh, when we, uh, our good friend Jeff Hughes worked at ABC Warehouse and, and we got a washer through him and we got this warranty. It was a five-year warranty. And when you're getting the warranties, you're like, well, and to be honest with you, he gave us such a low-cut deal, like cost, he wasn't making anything and he would make something if I would buy this warranty. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. We were so glad we did. 
Because like three years down the road, something happened to that washing machine. And I was like, at first I was like, oh man, are you kidding me? It's only been three years. I want it to last forever. But all of a sudden I remembered something. I remembered in, thank God for melancholy where I file things. Thanks, thanks to mom. I know it's not Mother's Day, but I thank my mom for that, being melancholy. I filed the receipt away with the warranty. And I remembered and I went and found it. And sure enough, I still had two years left on the warranty. I called the number and guess what? They came and fixed it for free. Isn't that awesome? Aren't warranties great when you have to use them? Here's what's great about a warranty, especially when you know you have a full warranty. You don't worry about the item. There's no worries. Oh, I'm not worried about it. Well, man, what if it breaks down? I'm not worried about it. If it breaks down, I got a warranty. They're going to take care of it. I love the terminology. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. On your worst day, in your worst season, God never pulls away the warranty on your life. And here's what's cool about that. It doesn't make you go, cool, I'm going to just go crazy. What it makes you do is go, God, you are so good. I don't want to step outside of the gift and the calling on my life. Isn't that beautiful? They're under full warranty. Bottom line, God's a giver, and he's a giver of good and perfect gifts. Number two, our Heavenly Father is a rescuer. He's a rescuer. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew chapter 18 about the lost sheep. Beautiful portion of scripture. It's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. But but zeroing in here uh, on the first part of the parable, the lost sheep, Jesus says this in Matthew 18 verse 12. What do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go and search for the one that is straying? If it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it. Listen to this. More than the other 99 which have not gone astray. I used to read that and go, man, why is he he rejoicing more for someone who went astray? Well, because the sheep in the fold are content. They know their relationship with God. They know their father. They know that his gifts and his callings are without repentance, that they have a full warranty. They're not rescinded. They're actually basking in his presence. They're loving their heavenly father. There's not an issue. But it's amazing to me because a lot of times I would think, well, wouldn't God just stay there? Because, you know, he's getting all the props. Now look at this. He goes to find the one that is straying. And he says, if it turns out that he finds it true, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the other 99 which have not gone astray. Verse 14. So it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones perish. It's not God's will that any should perish. This, to me, should show us his his love. What we see here, when we read the scripture, it's not a God who is angry or frustrated because we ran off or we messed up, but a God who is tender-hearted and desires to rescue us. In fact, he pursues us, and not with a baseball bat, but with love and grace. It's his kindness the kindness of the Lord that draws us to repentance. What is repentance? It's changing our mind. It's seeing things differently. It's saying, wow, God, you were right. Duh, <laughs> right? I mean, he's always right. But sometimes we don't see like he sees. And so during that process, he never leaves us. In fact, he pursues us. And I think it's funny that we're called sheep. You know, sheep are some of the dumbest animals on the planet. Thank you, Lord. But I don't think it's any coincidence that God calls us a sheep. I mean, how many have done some pretty dumb stuff before? I'll raise both hands. We've done dumb stuff. Meh, right? 
But the point is this, we can do some dumb things and God knows our heart and we should know his heart as well. So when something actually happens, when we really do something dumb, what does God do? Right here, the Bible says he pursues you. He pursues you. He doesn't run away. He leaves the 99 to find the one that's lost. Now, unfortunately, man-made religion has told us something else. It says that he breaks fellowship from us. He leaves. In other words, you're on your own. And once you get cleaned up and you're good enough and you're ready, then come back to me. But for some reason, we've done something and it puts distance between you and the Father. But that's not what this is telling us. Jesus says that God is pursuing you because he wants to be with you. Why? Because he loves you. I don't think we can downplay the love of God. I really believe that it's the fuel for our lives. I know it is for me. The more I realize his love for me, his grace for me, his goodness, that he has a plan for my life, that the fruit of the spirit is his fruit and he's working it in me, that the good works I do, they're not even my own. He's planted them there so that I would do them. Like he actually gave me good works in advance beforehand so that I should walk in them. It's a beautiful picture of who I am in Christ. You know what that does? I fall in love with him more. I want to do more for my dad. It's kind of like at home. You know, your, your kids will reluctantly do things if you're just bossing them around. And I know, you know, hey, they got to take out the trash. You got to do things. But I've noticed that when I've spent quality time with them, when I've heard what they had to say, when I picked their brain, when I got into their life, when it comes time to work or do something with dad, it's a lot easier. Same thing with God. Spend some time with him. Work with him, watch him, and eventually you'll start to do things that he requests because obedience, it's just amazing. It's, it's the fruit. It's not the root. So Jesus is saying that God is pursuing you. No matter what you're doing or going through, you have a heavenly father who is right there with you. He's pursuing you, and he's desiring a relationship with you, and he's wanting the best for you. I think this shows us that God cares for and loves us individually. And this is a big deal because sometimes we address people in a congregation, but I want you to make this personal today. God cares for and loves us individually. You know, I can tell my children over and over and over again that I love them, but if I don't spend time with them, good quality time, do you think they'll believe me? I, I think it is true that actions speak louder than words. I think it's not just telling someone that you love them, it's actually spending quality time with them. And here's the thing about salvation. It starts with God so loved the world, right? John 3, 16, really important scripture. We see that God loved the world. He sent his son. If we receive the son, guess what? We have new life. It's beautiful. But I think it needs to go from God so loved the world and get to the point where it's up close and personal. In other words, God loves me individually. It's not just the world as a whole. He loves the world, but he also loves us individually. Number three, our Heavenly Father values you. He values us. I think sometimes we we lose sight of this, that God actually puts value in us. What brings value to something? Um, Spending time with it, nurturing it, caring for it. And, And, you know, the way God shows value is the fact that he actually cleaned house, made you brand new, and moved in. He must value you to actually let his spirit live inside you. And he doesn't do it reluctantly. He, he celebrates it. He loves new life. He loves new sons and daughters in his family. Our Heavenly Father values you. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, starting with verse 25. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat or what will you drink, nor about your body, what you will put on? 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And I love this final question. Are you not of more value than they? I know it's kind of silly if someone were to say, are you of more value than a bird? We're like, I, I think so. But you know what? If I were completely honest with you, I have seasons, I have days where if someone were to say, hey, do you know that God has deep concern for you? I think my emotional answer would be, uh, no, I don't think he really cares. I'm just being, being honest. We have those days. And so we have to think this through. Is God really deeply concerned for us? The truth is he cares for me. And not only that, he cares for the stuff I'm going through. He cares for you. He cares for the stuff that you're going through. He really does. You're like, but this is so trivial. Not to God. Right. You know, there's nothing, most of the time as a father, there's nothing that's too trivial for me. Now, I have days where, you know, like, dad, 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 what? I was like, why are you yelling at him? They just said dad five times. You know, God's not like that. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, Heavenly, Heavenly Father, what? I'm busy, you know? But here's the thing. God always hears us. He doesn't turn a deaf ear to us. He's concerned for us. I love this scripture. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, starting with verse 3. You know, God says that he's the God of all comfort. That's pretty pretty awesome. He says, all praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus, the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside of us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. See, God comforts us. He values us. We are important to him. This shows us that he sees value in us, that he deeply cares for us. Do you realize that God has value in you? He puts value in you. Number four, our heavenly father has made us his. He's made us his. In fact, let's make it personal. You can say, my heavenly father has made me his. I think all of us, we, we throw the term around, God's a father, I'm his child, but do we really get it? Do we really see the reality that we are his children? If we do, it changes how we live. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. This word Abba is amazing to me. Do you know that many scholars believe the word Abba could be translated into English as that endearing term we give to our fathers, Daddy. Now for some of us that could seem kind of weird, like it's God. I mean, why would I say Daddy. But Abba means daddy. If you go to a playground in America, what do you hear? You don't hear Abba, but you hear daddy. Daddy, what point is he making? He's saying you are his dearly loved child. He is your daddy. Now again, for some of us, that's hard to handle. But it shows you his heart. He has the heart of a dad. He loves you. 
And, and even in his discipline, it's never punishment for your past. It's always training for your future. He wants to train you. He wants to show you. He wants to move you into a new direction. Why? Because sometimes the stuff that we do, it hurts ourselves. It hurts us. It hurts uh, people around us. It hurts and it destroys relationships. It even can hurt and destroy lives. So God deeply cares. You know, there's been a few times where, you know, my younger son, Aiden, there's times where he'll be running around and he'll want to run out into the street to grab something. And I'll be there luckily and say, Aiden, stop. And he'll go, Dad, you scared me. I wasn't mad at him. I didn't want him to die. And so my reaction was, stop, that's going to hurt you. I think there's times in our life where God says, stop, that's going to hurt you. But it's not because he's trying to punish us or hurt us. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants the best for us in our lives. So we can call him daddy. You know, it it makes it easier to pray, doesn't it? We don't have to do all thine art, God, and thine heaven of the holiness and be all Elizabethan about it. We can just talk. It's like sometimes I wonder if the Holy Spirit is like, hey, Shakespeare, what you doing? Because you're in America. (laughs) Can you be real with God? Can you just talk to God? I think there comes a point when you actually see God as a daddy that you'll talk to him like that. And sometimes you just let him know what's going down, what you're feeling, what's going on in your life, and you're like, I just, I need help in this area. I just have to get this off my chest. Or God, you are so good. Look what you've opened up. Look at the doors you've opened. Wow, thank you for blessing me with these children. Help me to be a better dad to them. Help me to be a better husband to my wife. Help me, help me, help me, help me, Lord. Help me to be a better grandfather. In verse 16, it says, the Holy Spirit reminds us. That's what it's saying to us. It reminds us of a relationship with our Heavenly Father. God, our Daddy, as a Heavenly Father, we are His children. I really believe this, that having an understanding of who we are and whose we are has everything to do with outward change in our lives. So as we look at this today, how do we see God? We should see that God is a giver. He's a giver of good gifts not bad things. We see that God is a rescuer. He's on your side. He's on your team. He's in your corner. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's in this for the long haul through eternity. We also see that God values us, that we're important to him. And that still boggles my mind that that God who seems so vast and magnificent, and he is. I mean, he created everything we see, things we don't see. Yet I'm this little speck here on a Sunday morning in Fenton, and he wants to have real, authentic relationship with me. That's amazing. He values me. He values you. The other thing is this. He made you his. Will you close your eyes with me as we pray? You know, what's beautiful about our Heavenly Father is as we realize these things about him, we start to notice that we take on some of those characteristics. We start to give to people whether they deserve it or not. We show grace to the ungracious. We show love to the unlovely. We get this heart for people and want to rescue people. We see them in need and we want to do whatever we can to help them. We want to bring people to our Father and into the family because they need spiritual rescuing as well. We actually place value in people despite their social status, who they are, what they've done, what their title is. Just like God, we value people. This is how we preach the gospel. 
and then we desire to make them part of our family. It's amazing. It's our Father's heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the scripture. We thank you for this message. I pray that we, especially as fathers today, would, would realize that we can take some of the pressure off. What we need to do is put our focus on you. We need to rely on you as our strength, our ability, as the giver of our gifts and our good works. I pray today that we wouldn't come down on ourselves. Maybe we've seen some stuff, some stuff inside ourselves and we're like, wow, as a father, I need to work on that. Well, that could be you, God, just stirring our hearts, disciplining, training us for our future, handling things a little differently, maybe disciplining in love versus irritation or frustration. But I pray that there's no condemnation here today. We would see you for who you really are and realize that because you're our daddy and because that's who you really are, we can walk those same things out because you put your very life, your very spirit within us. Bless the fathers here today. I call them blessed. Give them comfort. Give them wisdom. Give them peace. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.